0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the diplomacy of Gideon, as we pick up in Judges, chapter 8, verse 1.
1: And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn in our Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter... Eight. The Ephraimites were troublemakers And in chapter 8 we find them giving Gideon a bad time But we see with what splendid diplomacy Gideon deals with these Ephraimites They came to Gideon And they began to chide him sharply because he had not called them to go with him against the Midianites. Now it is interesting to note that they came to him after Gideon had the victory. And it was assured that Gideon had the enemy on the run. Then they came to him and said, Why didn't you call us to come out and help you against these Midianites? And they really began to give him a bad time, chided him sharply. But Gideon said, well, what have I done compared with what you have done? Actually, you captured the two kings. And really, what have I done in comparison? Well, Gideon only wiped out 120,000 of them. And so, uh, yet, very diplomatically, he handles the situation very well. These guys are hot-tempered. They come and they... Start making this ridiculous kind of an accusation and, and Gideon, I feel, handles this situation very, very well Perhaps a little bit too well As far as the Ephraimites themselves are concerned Because later on they tried the same trick with another fellow, Jephthah And he didn't handle it so well But Gideon was very gracious in his dealing with them Verse 2, he said, What have I done in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? In other words, you guys came in and and the the gleanings that you got, the leftovers, are really better than the vintage that we took. And God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, or Ibn Zib, what was I able to do in comparison to you? Then their anger was abated towards him when he said that. So it was just a very gracious thing on the part of Gideon. I I look at Gideon and I must admire the man. There is a I feel a true humility in this man, admirable quality when the Lord actually called him uh, to lead the Israelites against Midian. You remember he said, Lord, I can't do that. My father's house, you know, is really nothing and I am the least of my father's house. Who am I to do this? And yet, he was the kind of a fellow when convinced of the call of God, went at it in a very sincere way. Now when he could really be glorying in the victory over the Midianites, take this as an opportunity to really, you know, pride himself, it wasn't so. Now, perhaps he learned, and learned well, the fact that God wanted the glory in the battle. You remember, that's why God narrowed his army down. That's why God cut them down from 22,000 to 300 in order that God would get the victory for whatever was accomplished. So Gideon came to Jordan, he passed over with 300 men that were with him who were faint, still they were pursuing the enemy for there were still uh, some 15,000 of the enemy still alive. They wiped out 120,000, 15,000 were still alive and so he's pursuing. That's a pretty brave thing. With 300 guys, you're chasing 15,000, you know. That's all right as long as they're running, but what do they turn around? <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's, it's really uh, a very commendable thing that he is still doing, but his men are tired at this point. Now, an interesting thing to me is that there are still 300. Up to this point, he hasn't lost a single man in this battle. God has done a pretty thorough job in wiping out the enemy. Uh, And no wonder Gideon was not about to take the credit and is willing to let other men glory, but he wouldn't glory himself. And so they came to the city of Succoth, and they said to the men of Succoth, hey, uh, give some bread to my men because they are faint and all. And they said, look, fella, is the enemy in your hand? No way. We just saw 15,000 of them go by. There's only 300 of you guys. And uh, we don't want to be guilty of helping you because if we help you, then if you be defeated by them, they'll come back and get us. And so they refused to feed Gideon's men. Gideon says, when I return with their heads, I'm going to drag you guys through the cactus. And so he went on to the next city of Penuel and he asked the men of Penuel, he said, "Uh, give my men some food, they're fainting and and we've still got the enemy to wipe out. And they said, the enemy isn't yet delivered in your hand. We're not going to help you. Gideon says, when I come back from the victory, I'm going to tear down your tower. And he with his 300 men pursued then the remainder of the Midianites, about 15,000 of them, and they wiped them out. Verse 10. There is already fallen about 120,000 that drew the sword. There were about 15,000 that were now in Karkor with their leaders Ziba and Zalmunna. So Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in the tents on the east of Nobah, and he smote the host; for the host was secure. And when Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued after them and took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and discomfited all the host. And Gideon the son of Joas returned from battle before the sun was up. And they caught a young man from the city of Succoth, and he said, "Describe to me." the leaders of your city, the mayor and the city council. And so the young man described for him the elders, the leaders of the city, and so he went into Succoth and he took these guys and drugged them through the cactus, uh, through the thorns and the briars to teach them a lesson uh, for their failure to help them when they were in need. Then they came to Penuel and they broke down the tower of the city and smote the men of Penuel For their failure also to help them in their time of need Then he said to these two Midianite kings Describe for me the men that you killed over near Mount Tabor And they said, well actually they look sort of like you Good looking, they look sort of like sons of God Gideon said they were my brothers if you would have spared their lives, I would now spare yours, but you killed my brothers. And so he said to his, one of his young boys, he said, rise up and kill these fellows. Well, his, his boy was quite young, probably a teenager, and he was, you know, here are kings, and for me to just kill them, and so his boy hesitated, and so the two kings said, fall on us, you know. Uh, go ahead. And uh, yet he hesitated to do it, and so Gideon himself killed the, two kings of the Midianites that he had taken captive. So then the men of Israel, verse 22, came to Gideon, and they said to Gideon, rule over us, you and your sons, and your sons' sons. In other words, they wanted to set up now a dynasty and a monarchy. They wanted now the family of Gideon to become the king over Israel and his sons and his grandsons. But Gideon, again, shows remarkable character. Here he is, you know, the popular movement, Gideon, draft Gideon for the king. And Gideon answered them, I will not rule over you and neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. So I see very much in the character of Gideon as a very commendable thing. He did absolutely the right thing. The Lord rule over you. I'm not going to, nor my son. And so Gideon then asked the men for his share of the victory and the loot he said, I'd just like the golden earrings. Now, these Midianites were Ishmaelites, and they all of them had gold earrings, pierced ears with a gold ring in their ears. And so they dumped them all on Gideon. And man, at the price of gold today, he would have been a wealthy man because it was 1,700 shekels of gold that these earrings weighed when they tossed them all in. 120,000 earrings, that'd be a pretty good hit, really, on the gold market today. So Gideon then made an ephod out of these. It's sort of a gold kind of a robe out of them. But this gold robe that he made became a snare. It became a tourist attraction. People used to travel uh, down to Gideon's house to see this golden ephod that he had made out of the earrings of the Midianites, and the people began to worship it. They made it sort of an object of worship, thus it became a snare unto Israel. Now, I don't think that Gideon had that in mind at all, that the people would make sort of an idol out of this golden ephod that he made from these earrings. But nonetheless, the people did. Now, at that point, I think was where Gideon did make a mistake. When he saw how the people were, you know, sort of revering this gold ephod, he should have just tossed the thing in the fire and melted it down and made a gold brick or something. And so if, if he was guilty of any mistakes, it was this. His allowing the ephod to remain after the people have made an idolatrous kind of a symbol of this ephod. And thus the children of Midian were subdued and they did not lift their heads up against the Israelites and there was quiet in the land for 40 years during all of the days of Gideon. And Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and he received that name when he knocked down the altar of Baal that belonged to his dad the son of Joash went and dwelt in his own house now he was a pretty prolific guy he had 70 sons begotten for he had many wives and his concubine that was in Shechem she also bare him a son whose name was called Abimelech and Gideon the son of Joash died in a good old age was buried in the sepulchre of Joash, his father, in Oprah, which is, Abiz, which is of the Abraesites. So it came to pass that soon after Gideon was dead, the children of Israel turned again and went whoring after Balaam, made baal Berith their god. And the children of Israel remember not the Lord their God who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side, and neither showed they kindness To the house of Jerubbabel or Gideon Namely in this That according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel Now here's what happened After the death of Gideon This Abimelech Who was the son of his concubine in Shechem Now you know they used to say of the the sailors a girl in every port Uh, Well Gideon had probably a concubine in every city So in Shechem, this concubine who had born this fellow Abimelech Abimelech came to the men of Shechem And he said, look Is it better that one man rule over you or 70 rule over you? One man who is your brother Who comes right out of Shechem Who understands your needs and all Or all of the sons of Jeroboam What's best? And so he convinced the men of Shechem that they should come against the sons of Gideon and wipe them all out. And so Abimelech led a group of vain fellows and they came to the houses of Gideon's sons and they wiped them all out with the exception of just one of his sons, Jotham. But all of the other sons of Gideon were killed. A very reprehensible action on the part of Jeroboam, unconscionable. But Jotham hid himself. And all of the men of Shechem gathered together, and all the house of Melo, and they went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Now when Jotham heard that they had made Abimelech the king He went to the top of Mount Gerizim Which is above the city of Shechem And it is sort of a natural amphitheater From the top of Gerizim you can call down in the valley And they can hear you quite plainly Sort of a natural amphitheater It is an interesting thing to me How far sound travels over there in that land you think of Jesus speaking to a, a crowd of 10,000 people and they're all able to hear him and that's without amplifying systems. And it sounds sort of far-fetched or preposterous. But there are many places in the land where the acoustics are just, uh, natural acu- acoustics are really fantastic. If you're standing up on the Herodian. There can be children playing two miles away. And you can hear their conversations to each other. That's not an exaggeration. But the acoustics are tremendous. It, the sound travels. Uh, they don't have their sound pollution like we have here. Here our sound decibels are rising year by year and and all of the sounds that were subjected to their sound pollution. Over there, you can hear children, miles away, dogs barking and so forth. As the children are playing, you can hear them laughing, screaming and all, a couple of miles away. And, and it's just sound really carries over there. And I don't know what phenomena it is that creates it, but sound would have to carry for Jesus to be able to address Such large multitudes of people Even down by the beach There at Caesarea Right near the Mediterranean In an amphitheater that is there That was built by the Romans I can stand on the stage and drop a pin, And you can hear it Sitting up there in the amphitheater With several hundred people The sound just carries very well. The acoustics are quite interesting in many areas of the land. And uh, the Sea of Galilee, same thing. The sound uh, really carries. And, of course, that's where Jesus was addressing so many people. And also there at the Temple Mount where Jesus addressed so many people. So this Jotham, the son of Gideon, the one that Abimelech didn't kill, went up to the top of Mount Gerizim And here is Shechem down below. Now, Mount Gresim is a pretty good, you know, climb to get up to the top of the mountain. And he knew that he had a good running distance on the guy, so he stands up there and really tells them all and uh, rebukes them for what they have done. Actually, he preaches sort of a, a parabolic type of a message. He gives a parable how that the trees of the forest came to the olive tree, and they said, rule over us. And the olive tree said, should I leave my fatness and so forth and rule over you? No way. So they came to the fig trees and said, rule over us. And the fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness, my good fruit? No way. And so they came to the vine and said, rule over us. And should I forsake the wine and so forth uh, that cheers God and man to rule you? No way. And so they came to the bramble and said, come rule over us. Now, of course, he's calling, in essence, this Abimelech a bramble. And, and you guys have, you know, you're, you're settling for a bramble to rule over you. And having finished his rebuke and his speech, rebuking them for the evil of, uh, that they had recompensed to Gideon, here Gideon had become your deliverer, he freed you from the hand of Midianites, and now this is the way you treat you know, Gideon and his offspring. And he gave them a real rebuke. Then he took off running as fast as he could go. And as I say, from the top of Grisom, you got a good lead on anybody that might want to chase you. So Jotham uh, got away from them. Now he said, if you've done a good thing, great, rejoice in Abimelech. But if not, then let fire come forth from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. In other words, let there come strife between uh, the men of Shechem and uh, Abimelech. And Jotham ran away, and he fled to Bear and dwelt there for the fear of Abimelech, his brother now Abimelech reigned for three years and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech in order that the cruelty that was done by Abimelech might be avenged.
0: Return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Judges on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Judges 8 through 9 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: God bless you and enrich your heart and your mind and the things of the Spirit, giving you understanding of His Word. And may God increase your faith and your knowledge and understanding of Him. God go with you and bless you and watch over you and keep you in all your ways, strengthening you and ministering to you through His love. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: This Christmas, why not give the gift of God's Word by choosing the Word for Today Bible, featuring Chuck Smith's notes highlighting a simple understanding of the Scriptures. This Bible includes an exhaustive concordance, cross-references, in-text and color maps, words of Christ in red, and Chuck Smith's commentary notes, including Hebrew and Greek word origins. And in the Word for Today Bible softcover edition, we've included Chuck Smith's book, How Can a Man Be Born Again?, which is very informative for a new believer. It's our prayer that as your loved ones read the Word for Today Bible... Chuck's commentaries will give a simple understanding into the Scriptures, causing God's Word to come to life in their heart, not only drawing them into a closer relationship with the Lord, but stirring them to passionately serve God. For more information, please call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org to read a preview.